this morning. It's good to be here. It's good to see you all. Thanks for joining us. It is almost Christmas. Who's ready for Christmas? Wave at me if you have completed your shopping. Oh, one hand, two hands. Wow, two. I'm like close, probably not, you're done too? Three hands in the whole room. Well done to my three friends. I'm not in your club. Maybe later today I will join your club a little closer, hopefully. But anyway, um, I always think that I'm in better shape with my Christmas like shopping than I actually am. And then I have this moment of panic around now that is like, oh my goodness, I actually have so much left to do. It's a little bit unnerving. So um, I, I will pray for you guys who are in my boat. Pray for me that we can get through this together. Okay. <laughs> So these last few weeks, we have been journeying together, talking about the coming birth of Jesus. It is an exciting season. We were talking about the surprise of pregnancy. That was last week with Pastor Renee. Um, The surprise that came to Mary and Joseph, who were very unexpected. The call and the weight of um, what this was, what was coming to them as a young couple. And this morning, we're going to revisit the the passage that Pastor Renee talked about last week um, out of Matthew, which was the visitation of the angel to Joseph in his dream. I think it's funny. So when I found out, when Juan and I found out that I was pregnant for Nathan, we um, took the pregnancy test. It came up positive. We were in Alpine. He just said to me, let's go for a drive. And we hopped in his little car that he had at the time. And we drove from Alpine to San Clemente in silence complete silence, except for, I want to say maybe halfway, he turned the radio on, and it's an old uh, country song called There Goes My Life, if you're familiar with that. That was our ride to San Clemente, and we just, you know, turned it up a little louder as we drove. He was young. Juan was only 18. I was 22, 23. We were young, and uh, did not have a lot of direction, but Jesus is good. He's good. But that was our drive to San Clemente. That's our little story. Um, It was just kind of a funny moment that I think of. So Joseph, when he heard the news of Mary, his fiancée, being pregnant, what did he do? He went to sleep. It's like, you know what? This is too much. I'm going to take a nap. I can't say that I blame him this morning. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 1, verse uh, 18 through 25. Like I said, we're kind of revisiting it from last week. It says, now Jesus Christ's beginning was as follows. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was discovered to be with child by the Holy Spirit. So Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, yet not desiring to disgrace her, resolved to quietly divorce her. But after he had considered these things, behold, Everybody say, behold, Behold. the game changer. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because that which is begotten in her is by the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this occurred in order to fulfill the word from the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin will be with child and will bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which being translated is God with us. After waking from his sleep, Joseph did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife. Yet he did not know her until after she bore a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the grand birth announcement. This is the gender reveal. 
if you will. This is the beginning of the Christ. The beginning of, Matthew says, this is the beginning of Jesus the Christ. This is the beginning of who he was, who he would be. The one who prophets spoke of so long ago and foretold of. This is the moment that Joseph had to come to an agreement of heart with the Lord. Although he did not fully understand, he accepted to be the lawful father of the king of kings. That's a big deal, guys. In our humanness, what would that feel like to be Mary, to be Joseph, and to have this great weight kind of thrust upon you, so to speak, right? This passage is where the angel gives Joseph a name for the promise that has been prophesied, for the promise that is coming. Yet he is Joseph's earthly son. And now it's not just a spoken promise, something that has been heard of, but the promise has a name, Jesus. There's identity behind the promise now that Joseph can start to understand. And the Holy Spirit gives Joseph and Mary, it says in, in another passage when um, Mary is visited, that they both are to give him the name Jesus. The Lord gives him the honor of saying, he's my son, but I'm giving you the honor of, of giving him his name. You will call him Jesus, and you will be his earthly parents. Before this, dream, uh, before this dream, Mary and Joseph, they were betrothed to be married. We all know that. During this time, it's about a one-year period of time where they were technically, uh, actually legally married, yet they would not live together. They would not consummate the marriage until after a certain point. So this is during that in-between time. Um, for both of them. So when Mary came up pregnant, I can only imagine poor Joseph and the confusion and the distress and the stress and the, um, the uncertainty of everything he thought he knew, everything he was so sure of, everything he was so hopeful for, and the potential of what now was going to be. But the moment he accepted things, the moment he had that dream, he, he saw the Lord things began to change because his promise now had a life that was coming to it. And it still didn't really make sense, but it kind of did a little bit more. And he just chose, chose to trust and obey the Lord and what was being asked of him in those days. And then the waiting starts. Natural human pregnancy is around nine-ish months or so. Sometimes a little shorter, sometimes a little longer. We hope not, but it does happen on occasion. But nine whole months of waiting, and waiting, and waiting a little more. And then, I mean, that's not even to say, like, without complications. Like, both my kids, I was on bed rest two different times for them because my body just did not want to keep them in. So I was on bed rest with my son for four weeks and my daughter with, uh, for, like, eight, six or eight. That's not fun, guys. That's a really awful, awful thing when they say, just get out of bed to go use the restroom and shower. No. And if you know me, I don't sit well. And so that was super, super hard and not favorable for me in my life. But this waiting starts. Waiting is a part of our life. Who enjoys waiting? Not one hand. Nobody likes to wait. No? You don't want your patience to be tested ever? No, but let's be honest, we don't like it. And in today's culture, we actually don't have to do it very often in certain regards, right? We hate waiting in lines at amusement parks and grocery stores. So what do we do? We get fast passes 
We order our groceries, have them delivered to our house, or we stop maybe at Walmart in the little you know, pickup area. We click our phone and put the number in, and they bring it out to us so we don't have to wait. At home, we have microwaves. We have air fryers. We have Instapots, because Crock-Pots weren't good enough, so we have Instapots. We have co coffee pots that you know, make it for us. We don't even wait in the kitchen. But how many of you know that there's a big difference, and if you don't know, you should know, between the pour-over coffee and the drip coffee? Glory. It's worth the wait, guys. We have computers, we have phones that have more information than we ever have needed in our, we could need in our entire lives, more than most of us could ever want. Because sometimes the information is detrimental to our life more than it is a help. There's something about, for me, I, I love a paperback book. I love my Bible. I appreciate my computer. I really do. And my phone and just the, the quickness that it gives me for the things that I want to know, like on an instant, right? But there's something about a paperback. There's something about your physical Bible where you can take a highlighter, you can take a pen, and you can just mark that page up with what the Lord is showing you. And sometimes waiting in the slower version isn't bad. It's really not. Sometimes it's actually what we need. It's what our hearts need. It's what our lives need. So waiting can be hard, but it is often necessary. So in pregnancy, there are growing pains that we experience. There are stretch marks. There are like things. There are things, guys. Men, you may not understand, but women, the women get me. Man, there are things. Your body feels funny. It does funny things. All of a sudden, things are more, I don't know, it's just weird. It's weird, you know? Um, but there are times that we doubt. I'm sure the men can attest to this too. Where you just doubt, where fear comes in. You know, like, oh, can I do this? Can I be a good mom? Can I be a good dad? For the ladies, will I make it to the end of this? Well, for the husbands, too, am I going to make it to the end of this nine months? My wife. Ah, oh, the waiting, the uncertainty. Will my baby, will the promise that I'm carrying, will it be healthy? Are we going to have complications? Everything's fine now. Will there be complications later that we don't see? Man, I hope I don't mess them up. I hope I don't mess them up. I can't tell you how many times I've thanked Jesus that despite all my shortcomings, my kids love him and they want to serve him. You know, waiting is hard. Waiting is hard. And I think as Christians, if we bring this kind of a, do a little, not a U-turn, but just a little flip here. As Christians, we want often to skip straight from what is the conception of a prophetic promise, of a call, of a direction that the Lord gives us, straight from the conception of it to the birth of it in this grand entrance, in this great arrival, because we hate the wait. We hate sometimes what is in the middle of that. You see, the pregnancy announcements, the gender reveals, the baby showers, those are all super, super exciting moments. But what's in the sometimes painful never-ending waiting until the promise is fulfilled in birth. We go through, again, these growing pains, these fears, through uncertainty. Sometimes we lose faith. We start to lose faith in those moments because the process is hard and it's uncomfortable. 
the process of caring baby naturally is hard and uncomfortable, and sometimes carrying the weight and the expectancy of a prophetic promise, that thing that God has for your life, is hard and it is uncomfortable. And the waiting is difficult. We go from one trimester to the next, finding another challenge around this corner, another mountain to be climbed, something else that we just have to walk through. But the truth is there's more change in us that needs to happen before the promise can arrive and be healthy and be what it is supposed to do, to be. But all the while, as we read in the, the passage, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, that's like a pause. He's with us. He is with you in that moment, in the season. He's with us in the waiting. He was with Mary and Joseph in their waiting so long ago. The waiting period can be brutal, but you know what, guys? It's what we do in the waiting that is important. It's what will mark us, is what we do in the waiting. I would imagine Mary and Joseph, you know, at first went on with their lives. Because even in the, in, um, the physical nature of pregnancy, you can take the pregnancy test and I have no real signs. You know, your, your body hasn't changed yet. Maybe you are one of those really blessed women that doesn't get morning sickness and start to feel uncomfortable. I was not that. I was, to be honest, I was blowing chunks. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. My husband, after a while, was like, Listen, here's the Lysol. I can't do this anymore. Well, with baby one, he was super, super helpful. With, with the second one, he was like, mm. <laughs> no, he's amazing. But the stories that I'll spare you of this morning. But I would imagine they just kind of went on with their life until every day, every you know, week, month got a little more weird and a little more awkward and a little more difficult to carry on this promise that was given to them. Maybe they experienced the looks and the glares and the whispers at the local well when they walked through town and the people saw them and Mary began to become more obviously pregnant. Sure, of course you're carrying the son of God, Mary. Yeah, yeah, yep, Joseph, you're right. You're, you're right to stick with her. And it was awkward and uncomfortable and hard. And I'm sure that not all of the people in that day were convinced of the story they were telling. During the time of waiting, it's crucial to hang on to your prophetic promise. Because there will always be the haters. There will always be the people that don't understand or agree with the course and the journey that you have gone on with the Lord. Charles Stanley, he's, I don't even know where I found this quote. It's so funny. I haven't heard from him in a long time. But he says this, Our willingness to wait reveals the value we place on the object we're waiting for. Are we willing to wait well? Are we willing to wait and, and really truly show the value that we are putting on what God has shown us and where he's taking us? The book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 23. If you want to look it up, it'll be behind me. It should be anyway. It says, Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. And I believe too often, as believers, we hear Jesus, 
we, we take him at his word, right? We, we believe him. Say, yes, I, I receive that word. I receive that a promise that has been given to me. You know, whether it's a call to ministry, it's a call to a particular career path. It's a call to whatever. You fill in your blank this morning. But it's this direction that God is giving us. And then we say, we, we step back from the altar. We step back from our quiet place with the Lord. We step back from that moment, you know, in prayer where we received the, the promise. We receive what he's showing us. And we... We say, well, what will be, will be. God's going to make a way. And we take a step back, hands-off approach, and he's just going to make a way. I receive it. I accept it. I'm just going to step back. And I'm not saying that there are not times that we rest in the Lord and we rest in his promises and we rest in what he has for us. But there are times when we um, almost lazily walk away. We say, well, I accept it. Now I'm just going to leave it there. God, you make it happen. But Hebrews is telling us to seize our confession of hope this morning. Our confession of hope is Jesus. We hang on to him. We seize what he has told us. And to seize something means we take hold of suddenly and forcibly, to take eagerly and decisively. This is not a cast it to the wind moment. This is something we hang on to. This is something that we grasp and we, we just hang tight as if our very lives depended on it. And we have a responsibility to hang on to our promise, to take it suddenly, to take it forcibly, with great eagerness and with great confidence. Because why? Because he who has promised is what? Reliable, trustworthy, and faithful. And I ask you this morning, when does God fail, church? When? Never. He never fails. And so he's not about to start now in the season, in this period of waiting in your life. He simply will not do it. He will not fail. He cannot fail. It is not in his nature. It is not in his character. It is not who he is. Joseph and Mary were human. They were young and they were human. And I wonder if they had their moments of being a little bit mellow about what they had been given. A little bit lax, you know. Maybe days that as Mary went on about her day, she just forgot that she was casually carrying the Son of God. I mean, I know I'm pregnant, but you know, you, you just get caught up in your life sometimes. Moments in the mundane, we're waiting just hit differently. And it brought doubt and it brought question to them as young people, as humans. Days they forgot to seize their promise. Not that they meant to, they just forgot to. They just forgot how important it was to hang on so tightly to what the Lord had shown them. Days they were impatient I know nobody here is impatient, ever. We don't really have to be impatient because we have everything at the click of a button. But friends, this morning, don't be impatient in your waiting because he's faithful. He's faithful to come through. You know, there were days in my family when I was growing up, my mom was ill, and the waiting times were brutal because we just didn't know between point A and point B what was going to happen. You know, the promise that Jesus would heal and the awful, terrible middle that was in the in-between as we waited and we prayed and did it again and did it again and did it again and again for 30 years. But you know, our waiting in those days, weren't, it wasn't in vain. It wasn't. I can look back now and say it wasn't in vain because God's plan was different than what we thought it was going to be. Our job was to wait well. 
And our job this morning, whatever season, whatever period of time you find yourself in, is to wait well. The Lord is asking you to wait well. You know, our job was to believe and hang on to what we knew was the truth of Scripture and a prophetic promise of healing and to seize unwaveringly to the promise. Another thing I believe is super important as you, we, are in a waiting season is that you surround yourself with people who believe with you and for you. Mary and Joseph had Elizabeth and Zacharias, Mary's aunt and uncle. So Elizabeth and Zacharias, uh, as we know, were the parents to John the Baptist. God knew he could trust them to be faithful in the waiting, faithful in what seemed crazy, but to bring John up to serve the Lord once he came into the world. In the same way, God knew that Mary and Joseph could be trusted to bring Jesus up into the ways of the Lord, to serve the Lord. Um, and he, he trusted Mary and Joseph that they would be faithful to be part of and carry on the plan for all of humanity. So who we surround ourselves with in our waiting time matters because inevitably we become who we associate with the most because it's human nature. We take on the patterns, we take on, you know, whether it be verbiage or lingo, whatever, even, you know, hand gestures, the way that we present ourselves. It's just human nature. We just take things on from each other. So who you surround yourself matters in your waiting period. Proverbs 13, uh, verses 19 through 23 says this, it is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refuse to turn from their evil to attain them. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Troubles chases sinners while blessings reward the righteous. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. It is pleasant to see our dreams come true. We all want to see our dreams come true. We all want to see our kids' dreams come true, right? You know, I read this verse, you know, good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, and I think it's so cool I don't have grandchildren, hopefully for not a while longer. We've got time. We've got a lot of time. But even when I think about the conversations I can have with my children now and the inheritance that the Lord has given them now, I think, man, how rich and how great will it be for my grandchildren if we will walk righteously, we will walk with wise people, with wise counsel, to hand something off to them that they will understand better than we do. Because in order to see our true purposes of God come to pass, we're going to have to agree to do what we need to do, church, to turn from what we believe we want in our hearts and trade it in for the promises of God. And I'll let you know that once you align your heart with the things of God, the things that are in your heart are the things from his heart. But until we make that decision to surrender it and to give it to him, our heart is deceitful. There's a few students in here. Can you trust your heart? Lizzie, can you trust your heart? No. We have this discussion every now and then on our Wednesday nights. No, we shouldn't trust our heart. It's deceitfully wicked. So we have to trade in what we think we want in our heart for the promises of God. Because 1 Corinthians 15.33 states, bad company corrupts good character. You can have the call of God in your life and trade it in. Not trade it in, forfeit it because it's irrevocable. We can forfeit it 
for the things that we think we want and the things we need. So surround yourself with people who love Jesus and who love you. People you trust more than you trust yourself, and you stick with them. Sit with them, live life with them, learn from them. On hard days, let them encourage you. Let them remind you who you are. Let them remind you that you are living for an eternal kingdom and an eternal promise, and to not give up. On your good days, listen to them as they cheer you on. And you know what? When you let people into your life, they cheer you on from a depth, like in their being, that nobody else can. You know why? Because they have been low with you, so they know how to stand with you. There's a difference there. You know, I think about my family's current season, and I'm not going to get into all of it, but man, it is crazy. It is a crazy one. And you know what? To be honest, it's a dream that's 20 years in the making. You talk about waiting. It's something that has been, was birthed 20 years ago before Juan and I were even married. Yet we walk it out today. And if I didn't have people today that I could text or I could call or I could sit with and say, I don't know if I can do this. And they could look at me in the face and say, Shelby, this is what you've talked about for 15 years. As long as I have known you, this is on your life. This is what the Lord has called you guys to do. You have to have people that you trust. You have to have people that you have allowed into your space. That you have allowed not only into the highlight reel of your life, but who you will allow to sit with you at your lowest. Mary and Joseph couldn't have done it alone, guys. And neither can you and I. That's just the simple truth. If you don't have people like that in your life, find them. Ask God to bring them. He's faithful. He will bring them. If you ask, those people will be key in your waiting, in your season. Another thing that I believe is valuable in our waiting season is this. It's simple. It sounds simple, but it's actually like really profound. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Luke chapter 1, and we'll read 39 through 45, is this. Mary didn't waste a minute. She got up and traveled to a town in Judah in the hill country, straight to Zechariah's house, and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaped. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and sang out exuberantly. I'm not going to sing, but I will read what she sang. <laughs> You're so blessed among women, and the babe in your womb also blessed. And why am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord visits me? The moment the sound of your greeting entered my ears, the babe in my womb skipped like a lamb for sheer joy. I wish I had a video of a lamb skipping, but I don't. Blessed woman who believed that God, what God said, believed every word would come true. Elizabeth was the first person that Mary went to after the angel had visited her. How many of you ladies say, I got a friend like that? My first call, my first text goes to this person. And Elizabeth's response as a friend was stellar. It was excellent. I'm going to read it again. You're so blessed among women, and the babe in your womb also blessed. And why am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord visits me? The moment the sound of your greeting entered my ears, the babe in my womb skipped like a lamb for sheer joy. Blessed woman who believed what God said, believed every word would come true. Mary, you're so blessed, and so is the baby you're carrying. How did I get chosen that the mother of my Lord 
come to share this news first with me? Even the baby I'm carrying is so excited for you. Mary, you're so blessed because you're choosing to believe God and what he's spoken. What an amazing friend Elizabeth was to Mary. And one of the coolest things was, even though Elizabeth was in the middle, literally six months pregnant, of carrying her own promise, that own thing, that own person that the Lord had promised to and given to her in her older age, even though she was in the middle of it, she wasn't afraid that this moment for Mary was going to steal her thunder and take away from her. Not at all. She was genuinely excited for her friend. And it's obvious that she was. When we, when we rejoice with people, um, it's a new sense of belief that erupts, that births in our own heart. Because celebration is a kingdom concept. It's a kingdom concept. Well, the world says we'll act the part of celebrating until I can get myself one step past you, then you'll celebrate me. Right? The kingdom says to rejoice, celebrate, and edify one another above yourself. So it can be easy to look at somebody and I'm, you know, listen, we've all done this. Let's just be honest with each other. We've all done this. We've heard like, oh, this person is going, you know, they've decided to go to school for such and such. Or they've got this word at the conference last week and it was this. And we go, really? Them? But I've, I've known them a long time. <laughs> I don't know if there is, you know, I don't know. I don't think I can do it. I'm, maybe they missed it. I think, I think maybe the guest speaker really met me. <laughs> they actually, they just, I was, I'm short, they just overlooked me. <laughs> I know, I'm the only one that's ever thought that, no, no. But it's easier for us to question sometimes when maybe the person we know, we're like, mm, they're not going to live up to that. But you know what, guys, we don't get to, we don't get to make that choice. Not for us to decide. Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Purity of heart to me speaks of no agenda. There's no what's in it for me in a pure heart. If you want to see God and you want to see him fulfill the purposes for your life, keep your heart pure and celebrate with people. Sincerely celebrate with people. Cheer them on. Tell them how amazing they are, how incredible it is to see God's plan unfold in their lives. But here's the kicker, guys. Mean it actually mean it. Don't just give it lip service. Give it heart service that esteems others above yourself, that, that pushes people forward. Let it become your favorite thing to see other people succeed in the kingdom. You want to see your dreams come to pass? Celebrate people. If you're in a waiting season, hang tightly to that word that God has given you. Do not let it go. Seize it. Take it by force. Hold on to it with everything that you have. Surround yourself with people that love you, but more than that, love Jesus. And celebrate with people. Celebrate with people. There's nothing, nothing better. You know what's cool about the story that uh, Pastor Craig Renee shared about the, the feather and the glory cloud? So I had no idea about this. My son is there. So Renee had texted me and said, oh my gosh, Faith found this feather in her Bible, and there was a glory cloud. So I text Nathan, and I said, there was a glory cloud? Like, you didn't tell me anything? He's like, oh yeah, I was like a week ago. That's all I said. And I'm like, what? But you know what my favorite thing is? And he's my son, but my favorite thing is, I've never seen one. I'm a little jealous. Mildly bitter, no. But like, 
But the whole goal is that he would go further and he would know more and he would love better and understand and he would celebrate people better than I could ever do. And that he would be a deeper, richer person in the faith than I could ever be. That's the whole point. So as I close this morning, I have one more quote from you and this is by Hosanna Wong and it says this, keep being faithful. Without an applause, keep being faithful. Without everyone being for you, without everyone understanding what you're called to do, keep being faithful. Without knowing how God will make a way, without knowing what the result will be on the other side of your yes, God sees, God knows, God provides, and his ways are better. His thoughts are higher. He sees the greater picture, and the one who calls you is faithful. He's faithful. And I asked Johan to come, and he's going to play a song for us, and I'm going to ask everybody just to stand as he leads us in it. And this morning as he plays, if you really are feeling like you have been in this waiting season, this waiting pattern, and it can be for your own life, it can be the promises that you're waiting to kind of be birthed, for you personally, it can be a waiting season of healing. It can be a waiting season of prodigals returning in your family. Whatever it is, we just want to give an opportunity to pray with you because you know what? Who you surround yourself in the season with matters. So we want to give an opportunity to come alongside of you this morning and whatever that looks like. So Johanna's going to play. I'm going to pray really quick. And if you need to go, you can be dismissed. But if you need prayer for anything this morning, we'd love to meet you here. So Jesus, I just thank you, Father, for your presence. I thank you for your word, and I thank you that it never returns void. We thank you, God, for your promises, because they are yes and amen. So Father, this morning, I bless your church, and I bless your people. God, wherever they find themselves, Lord, would they hear your voice, and would they seize unwaveringly to the promises before them. And we just thank you, Jesus, for meeting us. In your name we pray. Amen.